OSU Soccer Podcast. Of course, I'm joined, as always, by Jacob Sturm. Jacob, how's it going, man? Doing well. A lot of soccer stuff happened oh, this yeah. past week. Oh, my goodness. I know. Wow, I, I, a lot to get to. Uh, yeah, well, I was texting you last night. I'm like, man, this is by far going to be our most loaded episode. Uh, lots of soccer content, and, you know, I, I say that. It's, it's, it's good news. I mean, it, it's not a bad thing that we, we have so much to talk about. So I guess we'll start off with the big news in American soccer, the MLS Cup. We finally have our two teams that will be vying for an MLS Cup on Saturday, this Saturday, I believe kickoff will be at uh, six. I, I, yeah, I think we looked at it will be six thirty p.m. Yeah, six thirty p.m. on Fox. So six thirty p.m. Central Time, or actually no, I seven thirty p.m. Central Time, I believe on Fox. So I guess yeah. Looking back, so the first thing we're going to talk about it is. Uh, I, I know you and I both had time to watch this because we weren't uh, dealing with our other other work with the Ocali on Sunday. Uh, Columbus Crew, right? They punched their ticket to the MLS Cup final in, in a game against New England Revolution, where where Matt Turner, a MLS goalkeeper, or yeah, MLS goalkeeper finalist of the year, or goalkeeper of the year finalist, I, I guess you could say. Uh, he, of course. Uh, New England lost, but man, he was spectacular. Yeah, I, that's the, certainly the impression I, I took away from that match was that, my goodness, New England probably could have lost three or four nil. Yeah. And it was competitive just because that goalkeeper was just making big save after big save. And, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll give New England credit because sure, sure. I feel like it was too – Two pods ago, I talked about how um, how having a, a team that isn't highly favored in any of these games, you still have a good chance to win. And Absolutely. To win not, not just once, but to get all the way to the semifinal, I think it tells you a lot about just how competitive the MLS playoffs are mm-hmm. and I think whenever you factor in how good he, how good a form that that keeper has been in, yeah, I mean, it well, absolutely makes sense why he was there. So, yeah, well, yeah, yeah that's I mean, my impression. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like New England proved that you know New England proved that they're a worthy opponent there. It, it it's not like, you, like you said, you talked about the, their run of form is amazing. Uh, Gu, uh, Gustavo Bo, I mean, he's had a fantastic season. A, a guy that. I'm really impressed with, like thoroughly impressed with. And uh, he, last week, I believe he won the Canadian uh, like youth player, national team youth player of the year. So I expect a, a call, call up for him pretty soon to the senior team is 21. I think, yeah, he's a 21 year old uh, Canadian, uh, Tejon Buchanan. Uh, he's, he, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was, uh, New England's right back, and, and he, he's been fantastic, especially this playoffs. And then the other thing we talk about, I mean, of course, you want to – you can bash him for the whole uh, Trinidad and Tobago fiasco, but, I mean, after all, it's a team coached by Bruce Arena. So, I mean, t- uh, 
take that as you will. He, he's definitely engineered a strong side there. But then we talk about on the other side, uh, Columbus crew, uh, Caleb Porter, of course, the former Timbers head man. He, he's punching another ticket to the, to the uh, MLS Cup. That, that side looked good. And you and I were texting back and forth throughout the game. Uh, that, that was just a fun match. It was high-quality soccer. Yeah, I mean, I guess in comparison to the other games that I, as more of a European soccer fan, I've kind of associated the MLS with just a lower quality of soccer over in the past few years. But when I watched that game, I thought, wow, this does not look that different from the high quality soccer that I I was, I was, um, accustomed to and other watching other leagues so you know I it was a good match I think both those teams were competitive and I didn't know who was going to win even after Columbus scored so Mm -hmm. I think just having that level of doubt and uncertainty as to what the result's going to be is a really valuable thing for any league to have because that's going to draw your audience more. You're going to get more people intrigued as to how the game's going to finish. And I mean, I thought they did a pretty good job. I, I mean, for a one nil game, it, it was as entertaining as you could possibly ask for. So yeah, that was certainly high. That definitely exceeded my expectations on that match. Yeah, I agree. And it's crazy just to, you look at the history of Columbus crew. I mean, two, three years ago, they were a team where their owner was – they were seriously looking to move to Austin, and, and they had the whole hashtag save the crew campaign, and, you know, the, the Columbus fans proved, no, we, we want this team to stay in Ohio, and look where they are at another MLS Cup. Now, the well, speaking of a, a great match, I mean, you – you I mean, sure, it was one nail, and, and, but you'd think, man, that quality of soccer would be kind of tough to follow up. Well – uh, on Monday, the Seattle Sounders and M- Minnesota United said, hey, hold my beer. And that's what they did. They they put on a show. It was a 3-2 um, w- a win. And, of course, that just speaks volumes about the the, uh, the dynasty, if you will, of Seattle Sounders reaching their fourth MLS Cup title in five years. I mean, that that's, a, that's just a huge, huge accomplishment in itself. But the fact is, I mean, it was a uh, – Get, it was a winner in stoppage time by a guy by the name of Gustavo Svensson, the game winner. And I'll tell you what, uh, the thing about COVID, I mean, if this was a normal year, uh, I guess it's called Lumen Field now, but but that stadium in Seattle would have been absolute scenes. Yeah, and I think one thing when, when you're watching a high level of soccer, mm-hmm. one thing that I always think is, if you're up two goals to if you're up two goals to zero, you still you're trying to get that third because that third would kill it off. There's not any there's hardly a chance in the world that you come back from three from three goals down. And so I mean, I thought Minnesota was the better team for a majority of that game. I mean, the stats kind of indicated the same thing because yeah. it, I think if I remember right Seattle scored right at the end multiple They did times. yeah yeah well yeah so yeah they, they were down well yeah that adds to the whole 
chaos of it. They they were down two two one, and then the 89th minute, Raul uh, Raul, Raul Rui Diaz, a, a guy who's been you know the star uh, goal scorer for Seattle, tied it in the 89th, and then that you know that in itself is high stakes, and then boom, game game winner. That that doesn't it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, and I think when you, I mean just watching. I, I only could I could only see highlights. This was sure. when we were working, but yeah, same. Um, so keep that in mind. But um, I just thought, you know, two two goals. Usually, whenever you're up two goals before the 75th minute, mm-hmm. you think you're in pretty good shape, and arguably you probably are in good shape. But you give up that one goal, the game becomes kind of questionable. And then you give up an equalizing goal right at the end, and then you just fall off a cliff and give up the game yeah. winner before the end. I think it was it's something that you should expect your team to not get like concede that way yeah. and not give up like like not lose the game right at the end whenever you have a yeah. lead full game. Yeah. yeah. But I can't necessarily blame Minnesota. I felt like no. Minnesota was not the best or second best team in that conference going into this weekend. And so you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt, but I think, you know, that's a huge, a huge step for Minnesota. Oh, absolutely. Um, So, I mean, just being in that position is something that a lot of Minnesota fans should be happy about. And I mean, yes, I get you were two goals up, in the semifinal mm-hmm. going toward a final, but yeah, even though you did not come away with a chance to win the MLS cup, mm-hmm. you got to just be happy with what the, what the team has provided to this point. Sure. Well, I mean, let's be, I mean, looking back, let's be honest. I mean, Minnesota United, uh, they're in their, I think, fourth season. Their their first, their inaugural season was in 2017. And with Adrian Heath at the helm, look where they are. I mean, I, I, I expect, I mean, honestly, Jacob, I, I expect this just to be, this is just the beginning. I mean, Minnesota United, the, the thing that Adrian Heath has built there, the thing that the city has built, you know, a, a team that, I think well overdue deserved a soccer team, a pro soccer team. And not only that, but I mean, uh, well, of course, I haven't personally been there, but but you look at their uh, state-of-the-art stadium, uh, their state-of-the-art uh, stadium, uh, uh, I, I, th- I think it's called uh, Allian- uh, Allianz Field, similar similar to uh, Bayern, but you, you know they've got that state-of-the-art stadium, uh, safe 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 standing supporter section. I mean, it's, they they've got a good culture there going on and. And, you know, they're, they're a team that was fun to watch. Not only that, but, I mean, they're, they're set pieces. Uh, Emmanuel, uh, Emmanuel Reynoso, a, a guy who in the match had a – he scored the first goal, then an assist. But, I mean, uh, the, the Loons have just been off the chart this year with set pieces. I mean, if guys, if you go back and look at the highlights, that, that uh, first goal was a stunner. Oh, yeah. I, I 100% so, agree. Yeah. <laughs> that was – yeah, I mean – yeah, I, I, there's not a whole lot I can say. There's that it was absolutely stunning, and mm-hmm. you now I think even watching the Kansas City Minnesota game, at times they just looked dominant mm-hmm. in all the areas that you needed to be dominant in to win a game. So 
I think that it's, it's just really important for, I mean, you're not going to take the, the step from make the playoffs to win the entire MLS cup in one step. That's sure. a multi-step accomplishment. So I don't, I can't recall if Minnesota was in the MLS playoffs last year, but if, I this, was their first, if this was their first appearance, then that is a huge step. Absolutely. And so, I mean, you cannot be annoyed if you're a Minnesota fan. I mean, no. it, it might hurt right now, but sure. overall that's so many, there's so much promise that's going to come from Minnesota. I, I mean, Yes, they're going to have to go through Seattle again. Oh, and they're going to have to go through Kansas City whenever Kansas City's not doing it to mm-hmm. themselves. But, I mean, there's, there's the, the door is still open, and they can yeah. definitely step through it. And this was a good – I mean, I would think this is a successful season for them in terms of what they accomplished from where they, where they began. Yeah, well – in like we talked about uh Reynoso they've got some good pieces they got Reynoso and then and then how how about uh Tevin Molino I mean the guy the uh the Trinidadian uh 13 goals in 22 matches he's put together a heck of a season I mean well deserved for him so yeah that that match was just so fun it's I tell you what man it's playoff it's the playoffs yeah, you so, can't you can't beat it. That is no. absolutely that was probably the would you say that's the best game that we've seen so far in terms of playoff um like playoff intensity? Oh yeah. I yeah, I'd say without a doubt. Well, actually so yeah, I I'd still put that at the top, but then that uh that uh, uh Orlando City game I I think it was Orlando City versus Kansas City, the one where we we were talking about, uh, they they had that whole goal, goalkeeper fiasco. I mean, that in itself was wild. But yeah, I, I I think in terms of goal scoring power, and then the and then the late theatrics, yeah, hands down, that was the playoff match of the year. Now, yeah, uh, the MLS Cup has a yeah MLS Cup will have a tough uh, tough to follow, but. You know, that's a whole nother story, really. Sure. So let's kind of talk about this final just for yeah. a few minutes because I'm I'm curious as to what you think is going to happen in this final because yeah. I, I'm somebody that until a little more recently, I don't, I haven't known a ton about the MLS. Mm-hmm. Of the things I do know, I feel like I've, I can recognize both Columbus crew and Seattle as bigger established um, MLS teams that are are probably, I would say if you put them against each other, I wouldn't instantly tell you who was going to win the game. I wouldn't be confident. So, I mean, I'm kind of leaning towards Seattle just from what Seattle's done. Mm -hmm. But if you told me that you thought Columbus was going to win that, um, win the MLS cup, I, I wouldn't argue with you. What What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, Columbus, believe it or not, yeah. If if you're a casual, you someone says, oh, someone says Columbus is in the MLS final. You say Columbus. You mean Columbus, Ohio has a pro soccer team? So I mean, yeah, that it's just something. I guess, at least in my opinion, you probably wouldn't expect. But yeah, I mean. 
they they've put together a really good side. Like like I say, I, I think a lot of it is is Caleb Porter. I mean, he's a mastermind. He's a he's a great. He's a fantastic coach. You know, you saw what he did at Portland. Now he's over here in uh, over there, I guess, in Columbus, and he's put together a good side. Uh, uh, I like their pieces. I I really do. Uh, 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 Zella Rayan. I'm sorry, all of these pronunciations are kind of throwing me for a loop. But uh, uh, Lucas Zella Rayan, uh, uh, Artur, the the guy that scored the goal. I mean, they they're a really strong side, and I I really like the way they played. I really like the way they played on Sunday. It it was it was uh, obviously methodical, but I mean, I mean. You saw their back three or four. They really spread out the ball, took their time, but then it was quick one two one two uh, touches. They built they built the run up. I mean, it, it was you know a long run, and well, there were several chances, but I mean, it it was just good soccer. So no, I'm really not too surprised. Yeah, and I mean, I, now I don't know about this either, but do you think we'll see Jossie Zardes? Yeah, well, I mean. Uh, we did Sunday, and 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 he was fantastic. So, yeah, I think I certainly think if they're gonna win the MLS Cup, you have to play your eleven best players. Oh, sure, I agree. I mean that I know that might be no duh, but yeah, you know you still have to say it. So oh, sure, no, you're you're I, right I mean, because you know tactics always you know tactics and analytics are all always play a part into that. But sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, I think, I think if you consider Zardes one of the 11 best players on I Columbus, I, which I, I, I think I do too. So I would, I would say he has to play for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what kind of performance we're going to get out of him. I'm sure. wondering if he'll show up and look really good or if this is going to be one of those games where you kind of go, oh, not not the best performance you know yeah so i get i don't know how much influence that will have directly on the match because i mean if your other 10 players play out of out of the out of this world and dossie's artist just doesn't play very well i don't know if that's gonna lose you the game in itself but you know i mean you're you're the ford you're gonna you're supposed to be the person scoring the goals if you're not playing well it's gonna be a lot tougher for your team to come out on top so oh absolutely yeah well that's kind of where i was sitting with that no you're right well that's the thing this game this game is perfect i guess from from like a from a name perspective i mean you have all the names on columbus uh uh nagbe or excuse me uh nagby menza zellerion artur zardes you know all, all of those guys but then you know this is one where uh, you look, you see Seattle put up three goals against Minnesota. That's not shocking because they have three players that were in this year's MLS Best Eleven: Morris, uh, Lodero, and of course Raul uh, Raul Ruiz Diaz. I mean, those three have been fantastic, and I mean, arguably they're the you know they're the best goal scorers in the league, all on one team. So, I just want to. Um... Just as we kind of go on here, sure. Just let's just shout out um, John Strong. Yeah. Oh, he's. I, my I love him. He's fantastic. I mean, he is fantastic. Watching the game has been enjoyable. 
-hmm. listening to them commentate the game is incredible and it's it's so so nice to have good quality commentators that you can enjoy listening to their the way they talk about the matches and makes a huge difference It it does i mean it really does i watched a I've watched a few games kind of recently where the commentators are really yeah. mellow. And they don't really get really excited whenever anybody scores. It's just kind of mellow. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's the best way you can describe it. It's just not sure. super excited. And, you know, it influences how you feel the match is being played. If you feel, if they score a fantastic goal and you don't, make any sort of excited response oh, like where you don't call it excited then i'm gonna go good goal that's about yeah. all i'm gonna go like but yeah. if you do it like what john strong does man you're you're like on the edge of your seat oh, the entire absolutely. time it's so fun so well yeah well something i guess both of us could point out is is why well, i get espn their commentary team too but they're i mean they're calling this game remotely. I, I believe John Strawn is calling it from his home base in Portland and Stu Holden is in the, is in the Fox studios. I, I forget where the, their Fox, Fox sports studios are, but you know, they're in two separate parts of the country. They're fantastic. And I'll tell you what, so last night with, with the men's national team, you had John champion and Taylor Twelman. And I don't know, I, I might be a little biased here, but, but well, because recency bias really is recency bias really is a strong thing, but I I truly I mean, John Champion, Taylor Twelman, Stu Holden, John Strong, those are probably I'd say two of the best commentary teams in all of sports. I mean, they they are just fantastic. And me personally, I personally I could listen to Taylor Twelman all day long. He is yeah by far one of my honestly probably one of my favorite commentators in all sports. I. I... I love Taylor Twelman as well. That it's just, I guess, realistically, we have as U.S. soccer fans, we are the commentating crews for the games mm-hmm. are not ever the weak point. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of what you're watching, I always think when you're watching the game, you can guarantee that the commentating and the way the game's called and the people that are analyzing the game oh, sure. are going to know what they're doing and are going to do it really, really well. But now will the results on the field look the same way? Yeah. That's always where my question is, but I, I can just say, you know, eight years ago, I watched the world cup and that's how I kind of got into soccer, mm-hmm. the 2014 world cup. And it was the more I think about it, the less it was what was happening on the field that got me into it. And and the more it was the way that they called it commentating wise was just so fascinating because of how exciting Mm -hmm. it was, you know? And Oh, absolutely. I think now, now I love watching soccer for soccer, not not as much just the commentating itself, but if you can put that kind of crew out there to, call the games it makes it so much more fun so that's absolutely something i think we just needed to shot that out because oh absolutely my goodness it's it's so it's so different than what it could be and it's something that you have to appreciate well yeah without a doubt and and well that's something i was going to add like even with with hockey some one of my favorite announcers probably in all sports is doc emmerich and of course he's 
uh, and now she's retiring, which which is sad in itself. But yeah, the, like you you said it well. The the commentators are the whole you know whole different part of it. So I I guess with that man, I told you this was going to be a loaded episode. We spent thirty minutes alone just talking on <laughs> on uh, MLS. So we'll we'll get to the really recent news, men's national team. But we'll, we'll do that as our last segment. I guess we'll seg into. Champions League, uh, uh, final match day, Cr- crazy, crazy uh, idea. Oh, by the way, people, I finally bought CBS All Access to watch the games. It, I have to say, it was a good, good decision. But, anyways, you are. I, I guess, yeah, you're the, you're the mind of this pod behind UCL. So, your thoughts. I mean, I guess I'm not totally shocked with a few of the groups that were kind of in question. Mm-hmm. I thought the Real Madrid group, I yeah. I guess kind of in the back of my mind, I kind of thought, well, Real's going to get out of this group. They're going to find a yeah. way to get out of the group. And so, well, yeah, I mean, it, it's just not going to me. Yeah. You know, so, but I do think that it was interesting how the rest of that group went with um, Mooch and Gladbach um, mm-hmm. and Inter and mm-hmm. Shakhtar. I yeah. thought, Man, the way I, – I mean, I guess when I looked at the group when it first was announced, mm-hmm. I thought, ooh, that's a tough group. And then I looked at Shakhtar, and I said – Group of death. I feel yeah. so sorry about Shakhtar because yeah. they just got put in this group that they're not going to have a chance in. Absolutely. And to, have, to be in the final match day as a team that I completely wrote off, didn't give them any chance at all, and to have a chance to make it out of the group or if not – if not out of the group, make it into the Europa League if they just oh, drew. Sure. That's in, incredible. That's an incredible achievement for them. But I think the main story that came out of that group was how poor Inter Milan were. Yeah, they they were. That that's true. I was like, whoa! I, I didn't expect. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing that shocked me the most was just, you know, everybody kind of thought going into that group, Real and Inter. We're going to be the two to come out of it and continue on into the knockout stage. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I respect Mooch and Gladbach a little more than a lot Absolutely. of people do. So I kind of thought that it could, it could come down to the final match day for that reasoning, but I wouldn't have thought that Mooch and Gladbach can go out and get thumped by Real Madrid and still find a way to get out of the group that yeah that tells you all you need to know about where Inter's been recently oh and absolutely I I was totally unimpressed and yeah. you know I, I'm not sure if I could say it's a fireable offense because they had a chance to get out of it oh, they did the last match day but well I mean sorry well you look and of course the commentator said oh well even if it didn't hit Lukaku's head it could have been safe but you had that banner of a header that looked like it could have been a goal but there's Lukaku or excuse me uh uh Lukaku bam smacked the smacked dab right in that face so yeah I think that was the best summary of Inter's Inter's group 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 stage experience really truly they had they had all the chances in the world to get out of that group and they found a way to hit it off their own head or they found a way to just miss the target enough times where it came back to bite them. And, you know, I, 
I mean, it's soccer. That's what's going to happen. Some, sometimes the thing that you're not expecting to happen is going to still happen and you're going to have to figure it out. But you got to think, you know, it had to have been a perfect storm for Shakhtar to not be just eliminated entirely after the group stage. It had to be like literally the perfect storm because I, I gave Shakhtar the smallest chance in the world to win any game in that group. And yeah. they didn't just win once. They beat Real Madrid twice. So just to beat – just to have points produced from beating a team that I felt like was the group favorite going into the group, I mean, that tells – that speaks volumes for, you know, just how competitive that group was and – in the end of in the end of things, I thought, well, I mean, I, I can't you can't fault anybody in that group besides Inter no. Milan, though, because yeah. well, they, sure. if you don't maximize your points against Shakhtar, then how are you expecting to get out of the group? You you can't. So yeah, that's kind of where I ended up with that group. But then the other group that I I was watching yesterday was the Ajax oh, um, Atalanta. Sure. sure. Um, and that that game, I think I mentioned it on the last pod. That was the game that I was the most fascinated by because of the circumstance that both of those teams are really comparable to each other. And you know, the talent on paper doesn't not one one of those teams doesn't just stand out as sure. the better team. So I thought going into the last match day, that game would be a really competitive soccer game and. I mean, for the most part, it was until Ajax kind of went nuclear on themselves and got a man sent off before they got a goal in, in that game. Yeah. So I think, you know, I guess there's some debate to say if they had 11 men, that maybe the last few minutes would have been a little more intense. But I agree. I don't know. I mean, realistically, I thought – they the commentators were saying this and i hate to just kind of kind of put my own opinion in there and kind of just start agreeing with them but that's fine i think the commentators were pretty spot on they said you know atalanta knew what they were doing and they were they basically challenged the um ajax to run around the run down the wings and spread out and space the um space the box and get deliver all their good crosses and good opportunities through crosses instead of working it through the middle and getting right up near the goal and i found that really surprising that that was so successful when you yeah, run three truly. at the back i i would never thought that th- with three at the back that you wouldn't have a, a lot of problems working the ball around the opponent's box that never really struck me as a a, a good part of that strategy but sure. you know once the second half started I kind of thought to myself man they're gonna pull this off just from how solid they've been playing at the back with less players at the back frankly and sure I mean that that alone I think that kind of won them that match and I I told you beforehand I texted you and I said I hate three at the back in this, you did. Sure in this enough. scenario. So 
I, I mean, all credit to them for winning. They, that must have been their best 11 or something. I don't yeah. know why they would run three at the back there. But, you know, they clearly saw something and it worked out. I'm, I'm not going to question it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to point out, uh, Jacob Sturm, the tactical mastermind of the OSU soccer pod. But uh, I guess, well, you talked about Real Madrid, and I guess we talked about MLS, you know, the, the fast the fast start, the 2-0 the start from Minnesota United. But, I mean, uh, Benzema, that, that, that first header he, he scored, I mean, what? That was gorgeous. That was, I mean, that was art. It really was art. I agree. Absolutely. And I mean, I'd, I'd even argue the, the, the buildup entirely before that was just so, it was just, you could just see the level of quality mm-hmm. that they had when they were focused. When Real Madrid is focused, they should have won every game in that group. I mean, frankly, that's what they should have done because I mean, I thought Mooch and Gladback was arguably their biggest test once I saw what Inter was doing and they made it look like a cakewalk. They Absolutely. Just, their quality just beat Mooch and Gladback by itself. They didn't really have to perform in the second half because of how much quality they were producing early. And you're, you're absolutely right. That header was something special. And, yeah, it, you know, was. golly, you got to think, if they can produce that kind of quality in the, in the knockout stage, they'll go farther than people think. I, I personally think they'll make it to the final eight and get knocked out, but we don't know what the draw is. They could, they could very easily draw Atletico or something in like the final, in the final eight. Mm -hmm. And if they draw Atletico, you know, they could, they could go all the way. They could go farther than that. I'm, I'm not saying they won't, but I, I mean, I guess they can't draw. I don't know. I don't think they can draw uh, another Spanish side in the round of 16, if I remember right. So if they can't do that, you know, they could draw a, a Lazio, which would yeah, be an interesting, an interesting draw. Atalanta would be an interesting draw for them. You know, there's a lot of teams out there that have quality that could be a problem for Real Madrid. But oh, I agree. You know, I also think you just if as long as Real Madrid play at full strength, I, I would probably be picking Real Madrid in the round of 16. I mean, it would have to be the perfect draw for the opponent to have me questioning that. So sure, that's kind of well, where I I'm sitting on that. No, I. I get it. I, I get it perfectly fine. Uh, what I wanted to point out, just like I guess, because we talked about uh, yesterday, day uh, match day two, or I guess it was match day six. But uh, what Weston McKinnon, or excuse me, Weston McKinney. I mean, that that goal he scored for uh, for uh, Juventus against Barcelona. I mean, man, like I said, art. That 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 was. I I tell you what, I I saw I saw that live, and I was like. I, I couldn't believe what I just saw, but then I, I spent, pro- I probably rewatched it at least 20 times just on replay. It, it was gorgeous. It was, I mean, I never thought that I would be seeing in like in my college experience, mm-hmm. a U.S. national team that has 
players on the team that can go into a Champions League game mm-hmm. and score a scissor kick. Like, I would have never thought that in a million years to, to see that to see that happen so quickly after yeah. you lose. So you don't qualify for the World Cup in 2018. Mm-hmm. And then within two or three years, you have yep. people making scissor kicks in the group stage of the Champions League. I just, I, I mean, that's just shocking to me. But, you know, all credit to him. Weston McKinney is a legitimate star. He's going to be yeah. really good. And I can't wait. I mean, he's so young right now. It's oh, going to be sure. 22. The joy of the next decade and a half. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess something I wanted to say, I mean, of course, like I said, that fiasco with Trinidad and Tobago, but you have all of, all of these young studs that are just seemingly popping out of nowhere. And, and you know, they, they, they like I said, it, well, okay, I'm not, I don't think McKinney did, but like guys like Dest, they have, they have options to, to choose which country they want to play for and, and to choose United States to buy into that, uh, to buy into that Greg Berhalter culture is, you know, it definitely says something. But what I wanted to say is, uh, so you said not only, I mean, have an American score a scissor kick in a Champions League, but what about the day, I mean, in a Champions League, you see a American for Juventus in the starting 11 playing against a fellow American in the starting 11 in Dest for Barcelona, for God's sakes. That's just, it's incredible. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, they do realize, like you realize, they can only have 11 guys on the field at the same time. Sure. So for two Americans to be playing in a game of that magnitude is just, oh my goodness, that's yeah. incredible. And then, I mean, we need a shout out. Um, I didn't get to watch any of it. I was mm-hmm. too busy focused on groups that kind of mattered. Yeah. Know? But Zach Steffen made his first oh, um, Champions League start against um, Marseille. For Man United, yeah. For Man City and well, that yeah, for me, yeah, and oh, I said, I, man, you, I said, man, you, didn't I? Yeah, <laughs> Lord, Lord, for, Lord, forgive me for I have sinned. If we have any, uh, any Manchester United or Man City fans, please, I'm innocent. <laughs> but um, I mean, he had a shutout. I mean, produced a clean sheet. That's mm-hmm. you can't. I mean, I think that's about as good as you can do, just yeah. statistically. I mean, you didn't give up a goal. That's great, but. I also kind of sit there and when I think of Manchester city, I think of how lucky they've been in the last like four or five years in terms of group stage draws. Sure. I don't think that they really, when they got that draw, that was probably about the best draw you could have asked for. I mean, all things it, considered. It was you, great. It really was. Who's in that group. Who is supposed to beat Manchester city and eliminate them from the knockout state? Uh, I don't think uh, there was a team in there that I would Porto, have been maybe. About. I mean, yeah, that – well, yeah, like I, I was looking at the group. I was thinking maybe – probably, in my opinion, I'd say that their their biggest threat there was uh, Porto. And yeah, and – That didn't happen. Points-wise, I think you're absolutely right. That was absolutely the biggest um, challenger. But, I, I mean, when I – when that group was first drawn – I got mad because I was mm-hmm. sitting there like how many years in a row has Manchester city not drawn a group with other big clubs. It seems to me yeah. like the, the club size and the club talent that they're playing against in the group stage. It's like a completely different competition. It's like, yeah. Oh, you know, 
you can win the you can win the group in the first five match days, and then you can just throw in a whole bunch of no names. Yeah, and play the last and just play out the last match day with no problem. Well, I bet they probably won the group after four match days, really. Yeah, so. well, speaking of which, that's something that's kind of the same thing we saw this week and last week with with uh, with uh, uh, Bayern. Yeah, exactly. Only I would, I would argue Atletico is a good enough team to compete with Bayern. Oh, they sure. can compete with Bayern. I'm not going to say they're going to win, but yeah, in terms of competition, at least they can. There's somebody that if I saw that game was going on, mm-hmm. I would respect Atletico enough to say that's going to be a good game. Sure. Oh, yeah. I well, I just wanted to say. I mean, that's that Salzburg at uh, Salzburg uh, Salzburg Atletico Madrid game was or match was awesome too, and it's crazy because you heard the commentators talking about it. Salzburg had their chances. They really did. But, I mean, uh, you look at Atletico, a, a team that has one of the best defenses in the world. I mean, they were they were on top of it. They, you, Like I said, Salzburg had their chances. But, I mean, uh, Salzburg had their chances. But uh, 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 Atleti, Atleti was just all over it. Yeah. And, I mean – I, I respect Salzburg a lot too. I think they've been a, a side that has proven that they can be a problem if you're not bringing your A game. That mm-hmm. that side can beat you. They sure. they nearly beat Liverpool last year with um, Holland. That's I mean, true. I'm pretty sure Holland. I feel like he had like a hat trick against Liverpool last year in the group stage. Yeah, and. I mean, sure, they still didn't get out of that group, but, you know, just to say you know it's coming and they still have people producing extremely well sure, against teams that are, frankly, bigger than they are, I think that tells you all you need to know about um, Salzburg. And, I mean, that, that, team, that team did have their chances. You're absolutely right. They, they probably could have gotten out of this group. And they'll probably look back on this in like a year mm-hmm. whenever the next draw is and sure. look back at this group and probably be like, this was your chance. Yeah. You're going to be able to get like, you had the chance to get out of the group and you, and you just didn't and do you, it. Yeah, so blew it. yeah, I, I mean, now I'm not by no means my saying Salzburg would get out of the round of 16. Let's oh, say sure. they did yeah. score. I don't think they're getting out of the round of 16, but you know, that would be a good step for Salzburg. I don't I don't recall ever seeing Salzburg in the round of 16 since yeah. I really focused in on it. So that would be an interesting step to take. I would definitely be intrigued by that. They'd probably sell, all things considered, they'd probably just sell anybody on their team that was succeeding because, yeah. you know, that's a money-making kind of club or they bring in well, all these young guys and then they just sell them off. So. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh you know speaking of clubs like that uh Shakhtar I mean they're a perfect example of a club like that 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 build up all that young talent and then s- sell them off to and s- and sell them off to uh gre- uh to uh greener greener pastures so yeah for sure um, now they're an interesting case because they are indeed how much how much Europa League money are they going to get 
Yeah, I'd, I'd almost argue selling no off idea. those players doesn't do you any good if you can't make it back to the big competitions. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's so a good point. If they can make it back to the competitions, then by all means. I mean, I don't know how hard their their road is to get back to the Champions League. But if their road is really simple, by all means, just sell everybody off. But if there's any doubt that they could get back there, you should keep them around because, you know, you're going to get a decent payday from the Champions League just mm-hmm. from playing in the group stage. And then you're probably – your club's going to make decent money from playing in the Europa League knockouts. So, yeah, you know, I think that's something that people have to consider, especially if you're a Shakhtar. Like, if you, if you care about Shakhtar, that would certainly be something that to keep in mind is would they sell their players off if they – if there's any doubt in their mind, they'll make it back. I, I'm just not sure yet. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't know either. But, yeah, that – I'll tell you what. It was fun. Like I said, it was really my first full experience, I guess, watching Champions League because, you know, it was – well, it's nice that we're older and on break because normally, I mean, growing up during these times, you know, we are in school. So, uh, now during the matches. I, so I do want to mention one more group. Sure, um, go, that, go for it. I want to talk about the PSG, Leipzig, Manchester United group. That was fun. I think it was, it was about the biggest storyline from this week yeah. in terms of Champions League, and it was not for a good reason. No, it was because... for the yeah. reason that, I mean, <laughs> racism yeah. is not, is not no. something that has a place in the world. Oh, no, absolutely. And, so for it to impact a soccer match, it's – I mean, I, I told you this right after it happened. Mm-hmm. I, ma- I have massive respect for all those oh, players absolutely. for just walking off the pitch. I think that's – Speak solemnly. I, I wouldn't have expected that to happen, and for them to take that step and do it, that, that I have massive respect for. And yeah, that's, that, that's absolutely huge. great. Yeah, I, I agree. That's huge. And it's crazy because, you know, uh, well, that's what it is. Soccer soccer is a sport that is so, you know, worldwide. You know, it. soccer knows no borders. Soccer knows no uh, race barriers. I, I mean, it is truly a universal game. And it, it's great to see, I mean, not only to see, you know, all, all these different players, but, I mean, you look at a roster to see all these countries represented and in, 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 I mean, yeah, like you have all these different countries represented in uh, a team. For example, Shakhtar, this is a team in Ukraine. You look at their roster. I mean, you look at the roster, you would think that this is a club in Brazil because of all the Brazilian players. But, you know, it, it's, you know, that, that that's why I love sports really is, is um, I mean, I, I'm a big, I really, I, I'm really interested in geography. And, and I think, you know, uh, sports are a, a uh, true part of culture. I mean, it, it's a true part of culture, a true part of representing, you know, somebody who somebody is representing what a part of the world is, you know, s- stuff like that. So no, that, that's really, that's really good that you bring that up because, and un- well, unfortunately I haven't looked into it too much, but um, uh, apparently last night after the match, I believe there were fans with uh, USMNT, the men's national team that they're, was some racial incident there in, in the here I can actually read it off that the I uh uh I mean all right Jacob have you uh 
Have you uh, heard of it, the, this thing that I'm talking about? I did not. I, I okay. was following it along. I mean, I watched the game, and I um, I was on Twitter seeing a lot – following a lot of U.S. Uh, – like the hardcore U.S. national team supporters. And oh, sure. I, I didn't see anything about that. So this is well, something yeah. I completely well, didn't it's re- weird. I, realize. I, I kind of skimmed over uh, earlier today or even last night. You speak about uh, hardcore uh, – the uh the american outlaws put something but u.s soccer today they tweeted uh quote after being informed of a racially insensitive language or after being informed of racially insensitive language used by a fan at last night's men's national match in fort lauderdale u.s soccer reiterates there is no place for racism in soccer or society u.s soccer will not tolerate any form of racism at its matches we remind fans that they are required to abide by the U.S. Soccer Fan Code of Conduct at all matches, and then of course they 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 link that right there. They they link the code of conduct right there. So I mean, w- well done from a P- PR standpoint by um, U.S. Soccer. So yeah, I think it's it's a shame that it's happened this consistently for it, it to happen really, really multiple does. times in the span of three days. Sure. It's just a shame. So it really is. I well, I think sorry, that's something that they might be battling for a long time because mm-hmm. I mean, if I remember, I don't remember exactly when this was, but I remember Landon Donovan had a oh yeah, yeah. had a thing that he um they walked off the field for too, and yeah. I I mean I 100% understand and respect that decision for sure. Yeah. I, I think I mean I have massive respect for anybody that takes it into the um takes it into that level of yeah uh, protest and well, goes ahead and does it even when the even when the um even when the moment is crucial for yeah. like a from a sporting perspective for you yeah. to do that is something that takes a lot of courage and I'm not going to tell you that that was the wrong decision no, because no. it's just not so i i agree well yeah. yeah something you said about landon donovan i mean this just shows how people have re- you know really turned into activists so of course this was racial but the whole thing with uh with uh the whole thing with landon donovan uh i believe i believe was uh was uh i think the thing with landon donovan uh <sighs> That was, was the player that got was uh, uh, player didn't get yeah. sent off, and it was they it, were mad about it. Yeah, I would think it was a homophobic thing. It was, it was. And they didn't send the guy off, and they were all really up in arms that the guy they really were straight red, and yeah, so they just left. And I think that you know, I mean, there's a level of things that you should be tolerating, and a level of things that you cannot tolerate. And I think that's one of those things you cannot tolerate, and no, I agree. I, I mean, just like everything that happened in Paris, there's, mm-hmm. there's just nothing that you can tolerate about that. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I think kind of going back to that, just how interesting that group was because they played the matches at different times. They and did, yeah. I mean, I could only imagine if Leipzig and – Manchester United like had drawn how interesting how different that group would have looked going into Wednesday um and would that have would that have influenced how how 
teams have played in that game. I don't know. Frankly, I think PSG was going to beat Istanbul, the Istanbul team by three or four goals anyway. So I don't think it really made much of a difference at all. But sure. I mean, you know, I guess there would have been some controversy in terms of that if it, if the right scenario had happened, I think there could have been some controversy there. I, now, I will say, in terms of how FIFA handled it and mm -hmm. how the Champions League handled it, I don't think there was a better solution than what they did. Just I agree. play it with the Wednesday matches and move on. But I do think that there's a level of um, – a level – a standard that they need to set. Mm-hmm within i don't know if it's when they're picking their officials or if it's at the at the stadium level of um like at a level from when you're when you're at the stadium but i feel like they need to make an adjustment to prevent this from being such a consistent problem i agree i, I agree I don't, I don't know what that is yet. I, I mm -hmm. can't tell you what I think because I don't know what that solution is. But I certainly think they need to be moving toward a solution and, or they need to show their hand and say, this is what's going on. We're going to move in a direction to solve this problem. Sure. And I, I, haven't, I haven't really seen that yet. I felt like yesterday was more of a, this is the game, like, here's our problem with the game that needs to be played today and not the long-term ramifications for it. Mm -hmm. So they need to get a long-term solution made to prevent things like that from happening again. Because like, like, we, like we both said earlier, there's no place for it. You, you know, this shouldn't be a problem. If you had a good solution, this would not be an issue. Mm -hmm. you know? No, but I agree. That solution has just not been present yet, and they need to find that solution as quick as possible. No, I agree. So oh, let's sorry. kind of transition into sure. men's national team a little bit because I know we're kind of running. I think we're at an hour now. So. Yeah, we're, yeah, we are <laughs> we're definitely talking. Like crazy. Yeah, we're but, definitely talking. I mean, yeah, let's kind of transition into that a little bit. So sure. we can kind of start off with what you were talking about, about the – incident because i I'm, i still haven't heard a whole lot about that so. yeah well like, like i said i i didn't well i haven't really either I, I just saw their statement but yeah i i don't know before i say anything else i mean i'll have to go back and, and kind of see what it was because i'm kind of like you i've only heard i don't really know what exactly happened but uh it, it's wild i i will tell you though <laughs> uh if you were to tell me that U.S. would beat El Salvador six nothing with it, it, it being it being five zero in the first half. I would have thought you're crazy. Now I, I, I did okay. I did expect U.S. to win, but I mean by by that really I guess uh, demolition of a score. No, I mean it, it was wild, and not only that. I mean we saw so many young stars just really prosper. Uh, uh, Chris Mueller of uh, Orlando City FC, two goals for him. Uh, Brendan Aronson, who who I, I forget exactly where he's going, but with I think he's uh, going to Salzburg, I believe. Salzburg, yeah. I mean, hey, uh, Jesse Marshman, 
Jesse Jesse Marsh Marsh, the head now, coach there in Salzburg. But I saw a really funny uh, meme sure. that show that was um, Chris Mueller, but it was it was the title like it was the name Chris Mueller, and then mm-hmm. they said Mueller's Day Off instead of Fair Mueller. So I I, I, I just loved it. I was I was having all the memes yesterday. That was yeah. absolutely wonderful. But yeah, I I think that was well, I mean the star the stars that kind of showed themselves in that mm-hmm. game I agree well something I just wanted to add uh uh a funny tweet that I saw a funny well funny but true tweet that I saw was was uh by was by uh gosh uh Matthew Doyle of mlssoccer.com he said on a per 90 basis Chris Mueller is the greatest goal scorer in U.S. men's national team history. Kind of makes you think. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's his debut. And what? His, his very first game, he scores two goals. I mean, come on, man. That That is storybook stuff coming true. Yeah, absolutely. And now you said earlier that if you told me the U.S. national team would beat El Salvador 6-0, six, six yeah. I would be shocked. Yeah. Well – even more shocking if you told me they scored five of those goals in 10 minutes i would be blown away like my goodness that that was just an onslaught that you know once they got going it was impossible for them to not like it, it almost felt like it was harder for them to not score than it was for them to score so i mean i think now part of that probably has to go in the play of El Salvador kind of looked rattled. They did. For Absolutely. for the first, I would say, 25 minutes. And they never really got into the game. And mm-hmm. out of halftime, they looked a lot more composed. And, I mean, frankly, I bet they were just playing for pride after halftime. I'm sure that's sure. probably what they talked about at the ha- yeah. in halftime. But they looked better. I mean, I'm not going to say they were the better team, even in the second half. But – you know, they looked like they should have been on the field in the second half. You know, they didn't look that I bad. Agree. But no, I agree completely. That 10 to 15 minutes where it just blew – where the U.S. just blew the doors off them, I mean, I mean, I hope that that's something that we get to see happen some more. I'm not expecting that to maybe ever happen again, how, how quickly they were up by that much. That yeah. – that was U.S. women's national team versus, was it Thailand? Yeah, yeah. That's that level of dominance. Like where you get the ball back, you're scoring. You yeah. know, I, I can't, I can't even describe how how dominant that was. And that was an MLS dominated national oh, sure. team. Yeah, that's and I the think thing. that needs to be noticed because absolutely, you know. As impressed as I was with the European, the Americans playing in Europe, mm-hmm. whenever they played their their two friendlies in Europe, I thought that the way the MLS national team played um, against El Salvador was equally as impressive for me. And mm-hmm. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I don't know how many of these people will make the 21-man um, roster whenever we – get into competitive games sure that are not just friendlies but i certainly think they made some cases 
and yeah, that has to be assessed now. Yeah, it it was wild. It it was it was it was it was an aesthetically pleasing match. I mean, just with with all those goals scored, it, it was it was awesome. Yeah. So and yeah, go ahead. Let's just, I don't know. Is 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 El Salvador even close to being able to qualify for the hex? I don't. I that's a good question. I don't know. Because um, if they if they do, I'm sure the U.S. would be thrilled. Yeah, and that's no insult to El Salvador as much as no. it's a compliment for how well the U.S. played. Because that, yeah. I mean, they played well enough where I think it will take El Salvador multiple attempts to even make a competitive game with the yeah. U.S. at this point. So. Well, I mean, if, so okay, they did qualify for the Gold Cup. And they're undergoing – well, I guess, okay, I think every team – every country, I think, goes through World Cup qualifying. But, but yeah, it, it's – yeah, it, it's kind of a rough situation for them, unfortunately. They were – yeah, they're, they're, I don't think they were really prepared for that at all. I mean, it's it, – okay, it, it, I mean, it's really easy to o- overlook, you know, a really young American side. But – yeah. Yeah, I mean it's never easy to play in the United States either. True. Very true. So I think that also needs to be kind of mentioned too. But I mean, I now the other thing I kind of didn't know was how many of those El Salvador players were MLS um were players from the MLS that were also I, from I, El Salvador. I think only two. Only two. <laughs> I okay. Think, I I don't I don't think it was yeah. Well, okay. So there, there they were all there play in big leagues. Okay. No. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking at the roster now. I think they have a lot of guys that play in, uh, in uh in El Salvador. A lot of guys that play in South America. But then, so they have. I think they have two MLS and then two guys that play in America. However, it is for the USL. But you know, still. Okay. I see. Yeah. That that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So I. I mean, probably. I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say the U.S. was probably going to dominate this game. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think so. that any, I don't think anybody is going to come on like argue that they weren't expected to dominate this game. But no, I agree. I mean, I still think even for the expectations of dominating the match, they exceeded mm-hmm. my original expectations of just how well they would dominate. Because I thought. You know, after 33 minutes or 35 minutes, it was just kind of like, what What could you possibly be discussing at this point? You're down five. Yeah. You yeah. know, like the game's over. So, you know, just to see that level of consi- like of solidarity, just being able to just outplay a team for the entire 90 minutes, it, it was really nice to watch. I hope that they can do it again. I would, mm-hmm. you know, those are also, I mean, they're not as fun because you know what the result's going to be, but in terms of stress level, there those are the ones that there's no stress at all. You're just watching a soccer game, you know. Sure, I, I <laughs> so yeah, I agree. That I was agree. the fun part about that. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, uh, I guess we got all that out of the way. Uh, Jacob, is there anything else you'd you'd uh, you'd like to add? I feel like I saw on Twitter uh, maybe yesterday. Mm-hmm. 
Did, did Sam Lewis score for oh, Manchester City again? I'll have to look. I mean, that would have been that would have been bonkers if she did. Um, let me look. Yeah, I, th- I thought yeah, I she did. did. Yeah. So yeah. And not only that, apparently it was a winner too. So, yeah, so shout out, shout out, Sam Lewis. I absolutely big time. That's huge. Yeah. Well, yeah. That that's the thing. I mean, you saw with the the last few months, you see. Um, because usually the the U.S. national team stars did stay. I mean, the more a lot of them still do, but most of them stayed in America. Uh, you know, with with the NWSL, but now a lot of them, you know, Mewis, Morgan, etc. You know, uh, are going to Europe. You know, those big those big super clubs from a from a men's standpoint. You know, they are joining their they are joining their their women's side which is which is awesome yeah and i mean i think in in terms of where is the u.s women's national team they're i mean they're at the exact top they're not they're not going to fall off any sort of cliff anytime soon well yeah that's the funny thing they're they're the men's national team and women's are are the polar opposite because i mean you talk about a a uh you know, you talk about a the team that a team is striving to be like the gold standard of women's soccer. That's that's the Americans. That that's United States. <laughs> and then with with men's, I mean, what? I mean, I'd say gold standard. Maybe you know Germany, Spain, uh, Argentina, Italy, all, all right. club, all, yeah, France, yeah, France, all, yeah. All, all clubs like that. So, yeah, it's like I said. There's a huge. I I, I really don't know what it is. M- maybe. Uh, you know who, who knows but it's just wild to think about that the the i guess the the contrast between just the us men's and women's side so i mean i guess the point i was i was trying to make was even though some of them are going overseas it's mm-hmm. not like the predominant talent is leaving no to, sure to go to other clubs no, that are not in the in the country they still have I mean, I They're can only done. guess. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, they, they have so many players that can step up and play a national team game of relevance, yeah. and I would feel confident. So, I don't think there's any level of stress there. No, I think I it's more a matter of, hey, look, they can—they're making a big impact in other in other nations and other leagues. You know, yeah. this is more than just a one league is just so superior sort of thing where that's true you know, the U the u.s league for women's soccer is just so much better than everything else well now you see them all kind of going elsewhere as well and still playing extremely well so mm-hmm. I, mean, I think that just goes to show you what kind of talent pool they have they have the biggest talent pool for women's soccer maybe ever so, yeah absolutely yeah so uh, yeah is there anything else you need to add further than that but I wish I got to see more Pulisic. Yeah, in the in the grand scheme of things, but you know, I, I want him to be healthy first and foremost. So yeah, let's just let's just have him get healthy, and then we can talk about him playing. Yeah, I, I've been a little bit annoyed that he had he hasn't played hardly at all. No, you know? he's and that. Yeah, that he told me in twenty eighteen that injury. Yeah, that one U.S. player would score a goal in the Champions League group stage mm-hmm. and would shock the world with how 
relevant of a goal it is. In 2018, I would have said, oh, that's easily Christian Pulisic. He looked like the best player on the team twice over. Mm-hmm. You know, he was two times better than everybody else. But, you know, I think it's I – don't, I don't want to say it too early, but mm-hmm. I almost feel like the rest of the talent has caught up. Yeah, that's a good point. Up. And yeah. now is it Pulisic regressing? I don't think no. Rest. He's just, he's just, he's oh. just, uh, maybe, uh, maybe, just maybe plateaued just a little bit, but yeah, I, I, I don't think it's really that big of a deal. Right. I think he's the the only concern I have is that he's injury prone, and it's not well, to get much better. I yeah. feel like he was injured. Wasn't he injured at Dortmund? Before he got, before he moved to Chelsea, I, I think, I think a little bit, but, and, but, but, yeah, I mean, for, for national team appearances, yeah, pretty consistently. So that's a I'm good not point. Saying that he's somebody you can't depend on because no, certainly if you can't depend on him. You can't depend on anybody. But true, I'm kind of concerned that the injuries that he's dealing with are going to be a reoccurring theme. And we are gonna have we're gonna have serious issues yeah. with it as a as a national team. The national team is going to have problems with it if that's true. You can't be healthy for a good period of time. Of time. So no, that's true. That's one thing I think we need to just next maybe next time we're on the pod talking mm-hmm. about all the post post stuff. We can talk about sure. Just pull a six how big of an impact he's made on Chelsea because as somebody that kind of cares about Chelsea, I yeah. don't think made as big an impact as I would have hoped. Yeah. You know? And where where can he go to make that kind of impact? I just I don't know right now. You know, I'm point. not I'm not sold yet. So I hope that they figure it out. Sure. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. So yeah, I, I think with that being said you know, look, look, looking at the time, it was an hour and 15 minute podcast, by far a personal record, but Thanks no, with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, J- yeah, Jacob, I mean, this, I mean, honestly, this is awesome that, that, uh, that uh, we get on here ev- ev- almost every Thursday and talk soccer. It's awesome. So, yeah, so guys, I think with that being said, we're, we're going to close it out now. I will say, keep an eye out. Uh, we are planning to do on Saturday following the MLS soccer or the MLS Cup final, we are planning to do just kind of a quick instant reaction uh, recap of, of that game. So keep an eye out for that pod. It'll probably be late Saturday night after the after the contest. But, yeah, once again, thanks for sticking with, with us, like Jacob said. Thank you guys so much for listening. And with that, we will talk to you on Saturday.